So today we are looking at really what happened on Tuesday, 331, the last day of March. So there was a surprising severe outbreak across parts of the South. So what we're really wondering here is, you know, is this normal? This could be the new normal for the year. And so you're thinking, oh, maybe we'll see some of these pop-ups. Well, we're going to talk about in this episode, the active spring environment. And this is actually quite interesting because the spring environment is the most active of the whole year. We see more active patterns. We see more uh, rainfall, more of everything. We see the maximums. And we can see it all at once. You can have systems that have snow in the north part and in the south part have like 100% severe thunderstorms, tornadoes, like outbreaks and stuff like that. It's crazy. So just talking about what really happened on Tuesday. So... We had a slight threat in the morning hours. And if you remember that, we were looking at from the outlooks for the day, they all showed a slight outlook for severe thunderstorms across parts of the Florida Panhandle, South Georgia, and South Alabama. So we expected there to be one or two severe thunderstorms that could have a tornado with it, but instead we had a lot of tornadoes, spin-ups. We had tornadoes all the way down in Florida, all the way up through parts. Um, even I think there was one potentially in Mississippi. And we had a long track one go from Alabama right up to Georgia, and then the same storm put down another one like three miles uh, east of that as another tornado was put down. So they boosted that slight to enhance just as the storms occurred. So we had these sudden spin-ups also. So really, are we looking at something that was like a surprise? Uh, what all happened? We had these longer tracks, as I mentioned, from Alabama into Georgia. And on these storms were multiple rotations. So we saw these and, you know, it went from being a slight, which shows one or two, to an enhanced, which shows anywhere between like three and like five-ish to maybe ten at most, where we're looking at some certain cells. Well, this, the HRRR had shown single supercells that we're going to be producing. What actually happened is we had one or two that produced a gigantic storm. We had two supercells combine and form a massive storm, and then some more cells joining it that weren't supercells, just giving it more strength. So these storms had unexpected changes that no model had shown. And that gives us a great point on why early spring atmospheres are so, you know, unstable. They can get very unstable quickly. It can be a nice sunny day like what it is today. And it can go from that to a great example of what's happening down in Texas. Nice and sunny. As soon as noon hits, we're going to have some massive supercells happening down there. So it, it can go from, you know, a quite sunny day and not, where it's nice outside, 60, 70, to these massive storms in a matter of minutes. And that's something we don't see that in the wintertime. In the wintertime, we see big winter storms coming through that produce and track the whole country. With hurricanes and hurricane season, we see them off the coast and then produce and then they hit the coast. But during tornado season, really this early part, so we're talking about the end of March and in the first half of April, the target spot for early for our early atmosphere, we are seeing storms that can go severe and not in a matter of seconds. And we can see these systems pop up and then dissipate in a matter of three to like 30 minutes. And in those three minutes, a tornado could drop and then that could be it. Or we could see quick spin-ups in some little rotation couplets in the cell. So we start to look at, you know, why is May, April, May so perfect? So what happens is in April and May, we have the temperatures up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Combine that with a dry line that forms, and you end up with some helicity. 
the solicity is like the uh, kind of like a vacuum effect that will suck up all the energy and we're going to see this energy centered along that one point well whenever you get all that combined over a nice sunny environment and a open great plains like what we have here in america caps will be broken and when the cap is broken that is where these storms are unruly we the cap is what basically holds the energy from kind of exploding creating these massive outbreaks if there was no cap there would be non-stop outbreaks with all this convection well the convection is stopped because of the cap it's a area of you know how they have the cold air warm air than cold air it's keeping it condensed in one area well whenever that cap's broken a little bit of that warm air shoots up through. And that's when we can get these big, tall thunderstorms, cumulonimbus, that are like on the next level. And we can see some of these. We've seen pictures of them with supercells. Anvil clouds are them. And you can see where those anvil clouds cut off. Um, on a storm with an anvil cloud that is not severe, that, that kind of anvil is that cap. But once we see another anvil build on top of it, that's where it's breaking the cap. And that's where we can get these super tall thunderstorms with hail that is the size of soft balls and in may and uh in may specifically we have those hot temperatures which is allowing in oklahoma and parts of the plains this big convection but everywhere else we see this severe threat happen in april and may we do see severe stuff in april in oklahoma and some of those other states like texas kansas nebraska and even up in iowa but our big focus is really in April and May and looking at the Great Plains because what happens there is going to dictate what travels in the Appalachian Valley. That's why we see tornadoes in Tennessee, Arkansas, all those other places. So a sheared environment versus a fast-moving but little shear environment can be very different. A very sheared environment, so wind shear, that vertical lift that the storm gets. With that, we see these massive storms. But a fast-moving line, so you'll see a bow echo with those, a lot of times moving 60, 70, even 80 mile per hour wind gusts, and there's a little bit of shear, they both can create these huge tornadoes, but what's really the difference? Well, a great example is a sheared environment in May in Oklahoma. We see these massive storms where they drop 10 to 20 tornadoes all at once, and they're all you know super big, tall thunderstorms where you can see them for like hundreds of miles. A fast-moving but little shear storm is a quick pop-up that is moving quickly. It's a line. It's normally associated with a line. And along the line, there will be little rotations with a little bit of shear that picks up and then it will rotate. And you see these little couplets in the line, that kind of C-shape where it hooks back. It's kind of like a G eventually. It shapes like a G. And that's where we can start seeing that hook. Well, what happens with those is we can't get some long track ones that are embedded along the line, but that's the point. We get embedded along the line. So we're not really seeing these EF5, EF4, EF5 tornadoes in these kind of squall lines because they're moving just too quickly. We could see some spin-ups that are destructive, but that's a combination of wind. When we have a sheared environment where there is a supercell sitting over one spot moving less than like 30 mile per hour, it is just going to drop this tornado and it will stay because it's not there's no energy going anywhere else a single supercell is taking all the energy so that's why whenever you look at storm chasing you have to look at okay is it is this cell going to take all the energy or is it going to combine or weaken because another cell is going to take it and you most of the time want to follow a cell that is what I'm going to call the lone wolf it's going to be by itself because it will produce it will take all the energy and if it's on the south side you want to take that south side if it's moving to the northeast, let's just say, or even the east, because it's going to gain the most energy out of this storm. 
but storms in the south versus storms in the plains. So in the south, we have all these big hills and bumpy. It's just not, it's Dixie Alley isn't the best terrain. Storms in the plains have a flat surface. Well, these hills and stuff, there's different pressures and the different altitudes and stuff. And storms have to deal with that. And there's different, uh, you know, topography features that are affecting shear. But in the plains where there is nothing, it's just flat. There are some hills, but they're they flat. That's where we get to see these big thunderstorms that can just produce because there's nothing um, topography-wise and geographical that is blocking these. So how this tornado season looks is we're going to see a combination this year. We're going to see some uh, in the south. We're going to see them across. This year we've already seen a very active year across parts of Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana, and even up into Illinois. But we're going to focus on, too, the plains because we're going to see these systems that will start in the plains and travel the whole way across the country. So this season looks like it's going to be about the about a kind of a big traveling season in a way. We're going to see long track storms. And everything's pointing towards that we're going to see some supercells and stuff. So it's going to be an interesting year for that. But really, what's so what was so surprising about this down in Florida and Alabama and uh, Georgia was how fast it went. And that is a, just a perfect example of you know how these setups are in early April, begin uh, end of March, early April. We see these really quick storms. But then we look into April, May, where that core is the middle of April into the whole month of May. We see these core storms that are just, you could tell they're going to be severe. And then there's that difference between May, June, and July. May into June, that's kind of that downfall of, you know, every single storm that is in a sheared environment is going to produce a tornado. We go to where there's going to be a lot of big time thunderstorms just they're not producing as many tornadoes we, there's no doubt uh we still get tornadoes it's just we're gonna have a lot more of those storms that are big not produce them then in to july is where it gets a really hot so we'll see some thunderstorms but they're not going to be as big or we're going to see these very photogenic LP, that low precipitation environment, where we can see these massive storms building, where we see them for a long ways, and then one or two of them might drop a tornado, but still, it, they are massive storms. So that's basically what all spring is. It's just a, it's like a battleground. You can't tell what's going to happen. It's so spontaneous in a way. So you have to just watch that, and that's something that makes spring so special when it comes to, you know, all of these storms. But that about does it for this podcast, just talking about, you know, what all's happening with our active spring environment to give you an idea, discussing what all's going on, and kind of looking back at that Tuesday 331 surprising severe outbreak that occurred because we saw some big tornadoes. And if you were watching any of the Storm Chasers live streams, they were big. And it reminds us back to Tishomingo about how early that was and how big that tornado was. So... It's definitely something we have to look at this year is, is this year going to be more severe? And, you know, who knows? So we'll have to look and see and keep looking at our model runs and, you know, figure out the discussions and improve forecasting in general because it's going to be stuff that's going to be important to get information out there as soon as possible. So that about does it. So thank you again. And check out our social media links. They're in the description. You can check out our YouTube channel to see some videos. We have forecasts posted almost every single day. Um, and we have... EDU videos, these podcasts are posted there, and those EDU videos are going to be a really good one if you're into weather and you want to know a little bit more about some of the severe weather processes. We are doing a lot of those videos here coming up, so we hope to see you there. Well, thanks again. We hope to see you in the next episode of the EF Show.